This is the Zen Nova Scotia podcast with talks by Cone Friends. If you would like to support and be part of our community, you can start by visiting zennovascotia.com. So we continue tonight with uh, Kazan's text on preparing for Zazen. I really like this section. Avoid getting caught up in arts and crafts, prescribing medicines, and fortune-telling. Now here, arts and crafts, I suppose, can apply to anyone. But there was a time not so long ago, and certainly in Kazan's time, when the village priest did a lot more than what you would think a village priest would do. So the village priest also was the fortune-teller, and the village priest was also the doctor. And uh, he's saying, don't, don't get sucked into that side of what people expect of you. Stay away from songs and dancing, arguing and babbling, fame and gain. Composing poetry can be an aid in clarifying the mind, but don't get caught up in it. The same is true for writing and calligraphy. This is the superior precedent for practitioners of the way and is the best way to harmonize the mind. Don't wear luxurious clothing or dirty rags. Luxurious clothing gives rise to greed and then the fear that someone will steal something. This is a hindrance to practitioners of the way. Even if someone offers them to you, to refuse is the excellent tradition from ancient times. If you happen to have luxurious clothing, don't be concerned with it. If it's stolen, don't bother to chase after it or regret its loss. He also has some thoughts on old, dirty clothes. Although we shouldn't be too anxious about bodily comforts, inadequate clothing, food, and sleep are known as the three insufficiencies and will cause our practice to suffer. It just gets better. Don't don't eat anything alive, hard, or spoiled. Such impure foods will make your belly churn and cause heat and discomfort of body-mind, making your sitting difficult. Don't indulge in rich foods. Not only is this bad for body-mind, it's just greed. You should eat to promote life, so don't fuss about taste. Also, if you sit after eating too much, you will feel ill. Whether the meal is large or small, wait a little while before sitting. Monks should be moderate in eating and hold their portions to two-thirds of what they can eat. All healthy foods, sesame, wild yams, and so on, can be eaten. Essentially, you should harmonize body-mind. It's very practical. Eat well. Don't dress up too much. But what interests me is uh, is this first part. Avoid getting caught up in arts and crafts and songs and dancing or writing poetry or calligraphy or whatever it is. A point that we come back to over and over and it's particularly relevant in talking about this text because he's there's a lot of don't is that none of this is is about morality, again. 
There are, there are certainly Buddhist texts from this era that would say that uh, singing and dancing are immoral. Right. So I'm, I don't want to pretend that that's not out there. But at the heart of this is not some idea about purity or impurity. He's talking about preparing for sitting. Right? What is it that distracts you? What is it that invites you to disengage from being here? It's a really easy experiment if you're not sure. Just go home in the middle of all your stuff and just sit down on the sofa with nothing to do and then start to feel what the magnet pull is for you. After you've been sitting there doing nothing for a while and you start to feel antsy and you feel like I should do something, notice what that is. Now today, for many people, it's their phone. You think you have control over your phone, but if you could watch a fast-forward video of your life, you'd see that you're just constantly checking it, right? You don't know you're checking it, but you're checking it. I do this sometimes. I leave it in the kitchen, and as I walk by, I push the button because maybe there's something important that will reveal itself to me, and then I keep going, and I think, oh, look, I didn't engage. (laughs) But I engaged, (laughs) right? I checked the window into another world, and then I stepped back. And really what I'm doing is I'm hoping that something exciting happened so that then I can pick it up and play, read something. Someone will tell me something I didn't know. When I was younger, I I didn't have this. And so I think that my, my distraction most often was my own mind. I was a daydream. I was a daydreamer. And so if I just sat there on the sofa, pretty soon I wouldn't be on the sofa anymore. My body would be on the sofa. But I'd be somewhere else. I wouldn't stay where I was. And if there was a remote control, I'd be in television. If there was nothing to do at my house, I'd get in the car and I'd drive around and I'd go see a friend. But I wanted to be in motion. I wanted to be engaged. I've mentioned that, you know, it's kind of a revelation for me now to have children and to finally, you know, in my mid-40s, be on the other side of that equation where I'm so... uh, My life contains so much encounter... (laughs) that I finally find myself wanting to withdraw a little bit and thinking, oh, I wish I could just sit on the back deck and do nothing but sit on the back deck. But until I hit that, that, that place of being overwhelmed, my instinct always was to find something, something to entertain my mind. I don't know what it is for you. Maybe it's projects. Maybe you're someone who has to have a project. Maybe it's hobbies. Maybe it's talking on the phone. It doesn't mean don't talk on the phone. 
It doesn't mean don't read the news. But notice what your relationship is to that. Notice how it goes beyond utility. We have a natural impulse to disengage from the present. I think we're just born with it. We're born looking for some place for our minds to land. Certain things out of habit become the vehicle for that, for us. It isn't my phone's fault. It's just that my phone is particularly well-suited to the task of taking me from where I am into something else. Really try to notice this. I spend a lot of time thinking about this because I also spend a lot of time forgetting this. When I travel and I'm in an airport, I, you know, I have three hours before anything exciting is going to happen. I sit down in a place where there's nothing to do and there's no one I know. And I just start to feel that thing that says, now I need, I need something. I need an entertainment. I need something that will take me out of this wide view, which is sitting here and watching all of these people walk around, these people from all these different places with all these different destinations. Something that will take me out of that and into something that's just for me. Something narrow. And so I get out a book, or I get out my phone, or I listen to something. Anything to make my experience of the present smaller. And, if I can, to make it feel like I'm accomplishing something. Because what a great feeling. I can say I finished that book. Right? Or I did some work. Kazan says, avoid getting caught up. There's kind of a... There's a humor in this. Because he's talking about what you should do before you sit. But in this particular case, if you actually did it, if you get it, then you're basically doing zazen already. You've snuck up on the act. I don't know how you're sitting in that moment or how you're standing in that moment. But if you can figure this out, then you've largely figured that out in the same way that earlier in the text when he says you know to to figure out who you are first before you sit it's not that if you do a then you can do b it's that if you do a you're already doing b <laughs> he keeps showing this 
at the end of this one, you know, kind of closed in this conversation about whether or not you should be eating yams, he's saying, he's, he's, he's really saying explicitly, harmonize body-mind. Get in touch with that. Which is another way, again, of saying, do zazen. Figure out that relationship. Figure out that relationship before you sit down, and then you've solved your problem. From every direction, he's saying implicitly, do not use zazen as a tool to accomplish something. Zazen is the end. It's the end point. It's the end expression of the practice. It's not the metric and it's not the means. It's complete and it's finished. Sit like that. Sit from the top of the mountain. Sit as Buddha, not as a Buddha to be. And don't eat anything alive. I'll stop there. For more information about Zen, our practice, and how you can support and take part in our community, please visit zennovascotia.com.